to another episode of Fangirl Gathering, the podcast edition. This week, Rachel and I will be talking about Doctor Who Under the Lake by Toby Whithouse. I, as Rachel, would like to apologize, first of all, for the previous episode that went up live. It's my first time editing purely with sound, so please forgive me while I work through this process. Rachel, for the people who don't know Fangirl Gathering, um, I, Melissa, do most of the social media, so the marketing thingies for YouTubes and whatever. Rachel does all the technological stuff that I don't understand. You say, and then you do all the stuff that I, <laughs> that I just don't care to do. Like talk to people. Yes, like talk to people. <laughs> We're such a good yeah. team. Um, we are the perfect we team. We are. I, I think about this often. Oh, before um, we start talking about Doctor Who, I don't know if you, you probably know this, the new Sherlock trailer is out. Um, if you have, have not seen it, it's, it looks bomb diggity. So back to Doctor Who. So this particular episode is Under the Lake. It is episode three of series nine, mm-hmm. written by Toby Whithouse. Now, Toby Whithouse um, has written several other fantastic episodes, including um, the one with the Dream Doctor. Yes. Okay, the one, or Amy's Choice, that's the name of that episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's also a writer for... Uh, being human, and he's actually the showrunner for that. It was rumored slash maybe said in an interview that Moffat did that he is looking at Toby Whithouse for the next showrunner oh. of Doctor Who, which means Moffat will step down, which I think a lot of fans have been calling for over the past year. I mean, Moffat doesn't even have to step down. I feel like he can still be on the writing staff. But... I don't know. I think but like once you're a showrunner for something like that, you don't come back. And mm-hmm. That being said, we know that Moffat is famous for red herrings in interviews, so mm-hmm. he could be saying all this and like being secretly being like, "I'm gonna showrun for the next ten years." <laughs> so that's a large part of what I took away from this episode. Also, it is a two-parter, another two-parter. I did not expect that right away. Nope, nope. Especially because let's get into it. It started so classic New Who. Like that's mm-hmm. my first note. Classic New Who. Weird setting, human scientists in an abandoned whatever, or not, or not abandoned necessarily, but in like in a scientific whatever, doing research and experiments, and then something happens with an alien, and then the opening credits, and then the doctor shows up. Yep. So many episodes start like this. 42 starts like this. Cold War starts like this. Actually, I watched, I rewatched Cold War after this one, because it reminded me so mm-hmm. much of that episode. Um, bunch of episodes start like this and i think it's great too i actually really enjoyed this episode i I often and always forget that torch means flashlights in Uh, english slang in english (laughs) and i'm like why are they getting torches they have new technology they can just use flashlights oh you do mean flashlights you're just british the deaf actress that they have Phenomenal. I have a lot of deaf people on my TV because I just started watching ANTM Cycle 22. And yes, <laughs> me too. And there's a deaf model. There's Niall and he is fine. He is fine. Great. I'm okay. glad you're on that train because I was like watching it in shame in my room and I was like, I hope no one hears that I'm watching ANTM. Yeah, I was super excited about the deaf person because I also went and saw the Deaf West production of Spring Awakening recently, mm-hmm. which was fantastic. I forgot how much I loved that musical. Um, and the storytelling was so good with the hands, but... Because I've been watching ANTM, and because I just saw that production, I was like, this guy's not doing sign language. <laughs> His sign language was, like, so slow. And usually, like, 
sign language is not only fast to keep up with what people are saying, but also it it's like a, it's storytelling, and it looked like the guy was just making hand motions. So I want to know if that was a legitimate. Well, like before the next episode, I'll look this up. Was he actually doing sign language, or was he just making it up? But I like that she's the boss too. Like, and the doctor, even though he says like, "Oh, who's the boss? I'm not going to listen to you." He ends up listening to her, like, the majority of the time. He says, when I'm not around, you're the smartest in the room. Mm -hmm. What's happening? Yeah. And I think that's fantastic. Yeah. Because she's also a woman. And that's also fantastic. Yes. Doctor Who actually does a pretty good job of having the lady leaders. You see that a lot. Mm -hmm. I feel like. It's women leading a Doctor Who. I'm going going to try to keep my uh, Clara, your annoying rants down to a minimum because I felt like we went on about that last episode. We she... go on about it every episode, and I have things to say about it, but you go first. I, she wasn't as bad as I expected her to be in this episode. Um, the only problem that I really had with her was at the very beginning when she was like, Doctor, like, let's go on an adventure. You love doing this and, like, going out and finding the big bad and all these things. And I was like, you've been with this Doctor for a season, so this is a writing thing. She is treating Capaldi Doctor like he is Matt Smith Doctor. And he's a completely different doctor. The writing for him shows that. The writing for Clara is treating him like he's Matt Smith doctor. It's like she hasn't changed at all. I don't think she has. And because I went and rewatched Cold War, like I said, Mm -hmm. because I was, I remember one, liking her in that episode. And two, so many, there were so many parallels for me, just like aliens in an enclosed space that you have to run around and blah, blah, blah. So I rewatched it. And a lot of the qualities that bothered me about her now are in that episode and they don't bother me so and I complain a lot about the inconsistency of her character but there actually are a lot of consistencies that I never noticed before mainly because I was just like this bugs me um things like in that in Cold War she asks somebody I did good right like he can acknowledge that I did well and in newer episodes she's been asking this doctor well, I'd make a good doctor, and, like, she's always been trying to be equal to him, and I never noticed that before, because she listened to him more than most companions. I remember one, when we first watched it in Cold War, one of the epi- one of the things I really liked about her was when the doctor said, stay here, and she did. Or she can say, I'm scared from the first episode, and a lot of other companions are still, like, trying to prove themselves that they don't say, I'm scared, until like, three or four episodes in, Mm -hmm. and for her to say that in one of her first episodes, that was, like, important for me, at least, because we just came off of Amy, who's Amy, like, I Mm -hmm. love Amy Pond, but you come off of that kind of strength, or whatever you want to call it, chutzpah, and then you got to this girl who's like, no, I'm scared, I'm scared, but because she kept, she, I didn't realize how needy she was in the beginning, and I don't know if I actually mind it. I think I mind it less now in these current episodes because I know that it's a through line and I'm just, like, glad that there's some sort of through line there. <laughs> so that didn't bother me. She didn't bother me in this episode at all. Um, <laughs> she had a really great line, though, that I was like, come on now. When she was like, we have to go back to that planet because I left my bag there and most of my dignity. And in the previous episode, she said something about kissing Jane Austen, and I'm like, slutty Clara. It's because she lost... Her boyfriend, she's... Right, that's what I was thinking. I was like, Clara is rebounding with people through time. So hard on different planets. What I like about her in this episode is I'm starting to feel like she's becoming more like Oswin. Mm Because I liked Oswin from the get-go. Me too. 
The writing for these episodes are also significantly better than last season. But that's the other thing with Clara. Is you said that she treats Clara like he's Matt Smith and he's or like he's eleven and he's really twelve now and she doesn't acknowledge the difference. And there's been a lot of in the past episodes about how the doctor pushes Clara to do things that she normally wouldn't do. Mm-hmm. Danny talks about that and how that's actually really unsafe. And I think that that's actually going to be how she gets off the show. Mm-hmm. And that might actually be really exciting to see that arc come to fruition. Can we skip ahead to the end for a hot second? Yeah. Because this kind of ties into what you're saying mm-hmm. is that uh, when the doctor leaves her and yes. she has this look on her face that is like she didn't know how much she needed him and how much she was dependent on him until that moment. But I think in that moment, she was like, I needed the doctor, and she re- she's realizing that she's really codependent. That's what I was just so. thinking, is she's, like, codependent on the doctor. Like, pre- you don't see that with previous, with previous people. Like, that's why Martha leaves. Like, her, the doctor and Donna, they're not codependent. They're just best friends. And even Amy, like, Amy also has worry. Mm-hmm. So, it's not like... Like, they're also, like, childhood friends. Like, they're not best friends in the same way Donna is. They're best friends from, like, like we go way back kind mm-hmm. of friends. But, yeah, Clara's, like, codependent. Like, kind of scary codependent on the Doctor. So, one of my notes is... Oh, the corporation. When they had the corporation guy who's like, this is an asset and we own it. It felt, once again, very classic New Who. And I'm really loving that right now. Very modern reason. and very current to what's happening no. in the world. Yes, that too. But also very reminiscent of like Silence in the Library when they're doing an excavation for a company or the Titanic episode with Max Capricorn mm-hmm. when they have a big corporate entity who's kind of taking over everything. Or even like um, Vogue Saxon, like yeah. this kind of overarching corporation entity. I like that you took it to like uh relativity like to a modern day and i'm like no but in doctor who land well well, he had this line that was like hi i represent the oil and they were going to evacuate us but since i own this i'm gonna make them stay which is like the whole corporations like corporations are not people your people are not machines and i was just like oh man this is too real so i'm glad he got his in the end even though I wasn't glad because those ghosts are freaky. When the first guy died, he was a ghost, and I was like, oh, alien, cool. And then the second old-timey one came up with the hand, I was just like, whoa, what's with the old-timey hat ghost? Yeah, it's very scary. If I was a child, I would have nightmares. I actually watched it alone, like, in my room when it was dark and my door was open and all the lights were off, and I was like, gonna turn on a light, adult Rachel? No, adult Rachel, you're an adult. I like that better than self. Self? But what I do love is that Doctor Who is still ki- kind of scary for kids. Mm-hmm. Right? Like I talk about it and I'm like, yeah, it's really candy, blah, blah, blah. But I remember when we were watching it and Katie, our other roommate, came in one day and she's like, guys, th- what is that? This show is freaky. And we're like, we now. So, because I'm just looking at my notes and I was like, oh, I totally forgot about this. When the Doctor gets really excited about the ghosts and he's like, why aren't you all freaking out why aren't you talking to them until your throats fall out great line by the way Mm -hmm. i was like 
first of all, I am so excited to have this doctor excited about something because he's been so cynical about so many things. But for the first time, I think, I mean, definitely in this series, you see him like genuinely excited in the same way that you see 9, 10, 11, like genuinely pumped about something. And so that was really great. But I was like, why is it about death? Oh, obviously he's so amazed by death because he can't die. I thought it was because he never, like, we've never encountered ghosts. The things in the past that we thought were ghosts ended up not being ghosts. It was like this alien from this or like this, you know, entity from this. And that's why I thought he was so excited because he had this line like, ghosts don't exist, ghosts don't exist. And they're like, doctor, he's right in front of us. And he's like, no, but like, this is amazing because ghosts don't exist. Other things exist. Aliens exist. But he had all those comments about death. Like, don't you want to ask them questions? Don't you want to know what happens? Da, 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 da. Because I remember reading this quote somewhere, but that this is death is the one adventure the doctor is not willing to take. Mm-hmm. And so that's why it's interesting. And also this character is so much older that I'm like, oh, like in many ways he is closer to death because not only is he like 12,000, but also Peter Capaldi is in his 60s. <laughs> so that's really interesting to me. That this new doctor, like, the first time you see him really excited is about death, and of course everyone... It's also that other thing about him being so alien. Like, this one is um, is so out of touch with things, which I'm, I'm loving, honestly. That, of course, he doesn't understand why humans don't get excited about dead things in the mm-hmm. same way that he does. I get that. Speaking of being out of touch with things, which I have always loved for the doctor, because he's, like, almost childlike in that way, um, there was that... that... I did not like the cards that he had when he was trying to be compassionate. Um, Like, his humanity cards, as I call them. I didn't like that at all, just because throughout the Doctor's life... Okay, yeah, so he is kind of cold and kind of hard. In the last episode, we just went over how he has all this compassion. And then in this episode, it was just like, I am so sorry for your loss of your family, friend, cat, relative. And I was like, Doctor, you know how to, you've dealt dealt with millions of these situations. We have thousands of episodes where you're compassionate and you know how to relate and then move the situation on. I felt those, that was a really unnecessary thing to bring in. Like, uh, I disagree because I like this it. doctor, while he is compassionate, he's like, he he's so socially awkward. He like doesn't know when to bring it out because he has that line in into the dalek um about how he says i care oh um clara says i'm his caring he says yeah she cares so i don't have to like clearly he cares he just doesn't want to show it and so i think this is like and of course it would be a friggin flashcards because clara is a teacher yeah um wait can we backtrack really quick yeah he's getting all excited did you hear him say, this is how you got when you met Shirley Bassey? Yes, to himself. To himself. Fangirl gathering story time. Dame Shirley Bassey. Dame Shirley Bassey. Many, many years ago when Rachel and I were in London. I think every episode is going to have a London story. But we <laughs> have of them, and they need to be shared. So we got tickets to see Graham Norton, and it was pretty, pretty much the worst Graham Norton lineup of that season, because it was like... It was Michael Sheen, who's, who's great, great but, he, but he was there to talk about Twilight, so he was kind of miserable. Some Welsh comedian we'd never heard of, it was an all-Welsh panel, and then Dame Shirley Bassey, who was plastered, like, because she was an old, drunk lady, and she was, they were like, she's tired, so she's gonna sing her song first, and she sings, like, 
two seconds. Diamonds like are forever. Oh, wait, I can't. I can't. And she just goes, I'm so pissed. And we were like, what? What is going on? Because in England, the chat shows give you champagne instead mm. of water. So she had been drinking, I don't even know. But yeah, she was like, I'm too drunk right now. And we were like, dude. And half of us were laughing so hard in the audience, and the other half of the audience was, like, stone-cold quiet. Like... A.K.A. British. Yeah. I don't think we quite understood, though, like, the popularity of Dame Shirley Bassey, because none of us are big James Bond fans. We were like, oh, this drunk old lady, when in actuality, like, she's a huge deal, but all we know her as is that drunk lady we saw on the Graham Norton. It does make me nervous that the doctor that the TARDIS can't translate. That freaks me out a lot. Uh, <laughs> I just realized what this note meant. So I have a note that says radio. He's, he says, why don't I have a radio? And she says, because you built a clockwork squirrel. And I was like, yeah, clockwork. I have. I want to see the clockwork squirrel. I want to see it like sitting on the TARDIS console. And then I want people to sell it and I'll buy one. Anyway. Oh my god. So I had this theory when they were like, the ghosts are transmitters and that's why mm. you need more of them to ha- and they want more bodies and that's so why that they, would... they explain that yeah right so in all of that exposition i was like what if it's missy because he said who do we know who uses dead bodies to send a message and i was like missy, missy. and he said the coordinates they're sending coordinates i'm like what if the coordinates are gallifrey because she knows that the one see i don't know if the coordinates he initially got for gallifrey are correct or not because they don't show it on the show and i think they I think they might actually be correct, and he just is too scared to go back. Like, his, he has, like, crazy PTSD and can't go back. Mm-hmm. But what if this is a message from Missy? I doubt it. I thought be- the way that it was written, I thought it was a message from River at first because she's been known to scratch things on walls. Um, but Missy makes a lot more. I didn't even think of no, Missy. Have, of course, now I have a theory that Missy's involved in everything because of last season. Because mm-hmm. we haven't gotten the overarching baddie for the season yet. We don't know. Unlike last season where they introduced Missy in Heaven in the first episode. Mm-hmm. So now I'm curious to see if that's coming back. I don't know. Davros is not that clever, so it's not going to be Davros. <laughs> what oh, I also, calling back to last season, when... They're in the room, and Clara is like, no, 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 no. I thought the ghost that was going to walk out was Danny. Oh, man, that would have been freaky. I didn't think that just because it had only been thus far people that died on board the ship or died in that area, like, in the water. I really want a Clara-Martha Jones crossover. Because Martha Jones still works for Unit, doesn't she? And she has grown so much as a person, as as a character. Uh, once she, like, left the Doctor and was in Torchwood and Unit, I was like, Bob, she's great. When she shows up in Martha's episodes, I love it. Me too. I think it would be great, like, Martha now meeting Clara now. Martha then meeting Clara now, it would have just been two people whining and being codependent on the Doctor. My last note that I have, because I don't have a lot, is Peter Capaldi goes so pale. I just wrote Dr. Ghost. <laughs> he's so he's so Scottish. I was like, he why is he more pale than the rest? Because he's he's Scottish. And uh Who's more pale? Irish people or Scottish people? God, I don't know. I don't oh, want to find out. <laughs> anyway, on a side note, speaking of Irish and Doctor Who and tea, Ireland consumes more tea than Great Britain. So Booyah. Sure. 
also, doesn't the U.S. The U.S. was number five on that list. Like England didn't even make the top five. Okay, no, I think England. I think U.S. was right behind England. Like England was number five and U.S. was number six. Quick, yet another story for <laughs> listeners. Um, I'll keep this brief. The girls and I went to Ireland to for a visit for a couple days, and it was a great time. We went to Dublin. We had a blast. We got crazy. Um, we got enjoyed. crazy plastered as the Irish do. So we were just as trying to fit in. Are. Yeah, we did a pub crawl, as you do. But one of the rules that we made over there was like, okay, do not talk about the potato famine and do not talk about England. And we meant it as a joke. And when we got there, it was not a joke. Like, if for anyone who's been abroad to Europe, it's specifically England, Ireland, or Scotland, like, those people have grudges built into their DNA that last forever. So a guy was giving us a tour, and he was still, like, hating so hard on things that happened in, like, 1919. And we're like... And he's our so- age. He wasn't, you know, of, like, World War Two generation, you know. He was born in the 80s, 90s. Like, and he was such a chill dude. But even, I feel like everyone we met was kind of like that. And then they, like, we went to a section about a potato famine, and everyone got really sad, and I was like dude, like, we don't care this much about the Great Depression, but it's still hilarious to me how, like, relevant these things still are to people. Peter Capaldi Ghost, So Pale, is the last note that I have in the episode because I didn't expect it to be a two-parter. I was so enthralled when it was, like, to be continued. I was shocked. Right, and I totally forgot about the flood. I'm just like, no, we're just underwater. Oh, wait, there was a catalyst to being underwater, and it was Mm -hmm. a flood, so that made sense. Before we finish this podcast, I want to talk... I hopped on my phone really quick to look up the specific thing Rachel's talking about, and my mom tagged me in this. I'm going to read it to you. It is a personality quiz from BBC America. Oh. Who's your British husband? America, you can either get uh, Benedict Cumberbatch, Tom Hiddleston, Martin Colin Freeman, Fr- Martin Freeman, <laughs> Alan Rickman, Idris Elba, or David Tennant. I'm either rooting for Alan Rickman or Idris Elba. I would totally marry Martin Freeman. I love him. I'm about to take this quiz. Who's your British celebrity husband? Take the test. I will. What would be your ideal bed breakfast in bed? But what if I want a full English breakfast and Earl Grey tea and crumpets because I'm a fat ass? (laughs) See, I'm at what if I want a full English but coffee and not more? Because I'm an American. Uh, But marmalade and crumpets, man, like... You know how we love it. Screw it. I'm going with full English. Blood sausage and all. What would you like to do with your new husband? Well, that's... Everything. So the options are things like record a song you've just written together, go to an art gallery, dance to a northern stole all-nighter, go to an expensive restaurant, go for a long walk, make snarky comments about passersby on a park bench, <laughs> go and find an All of these. All I'm of just going to do go and find an adventure because it encompasses everything. I chose that one. Where will you announce your engagement? Secret wedding invites. Done. Nowhere. I'm still on the engagement one because I have like a whole weird commitment thing. I don't know where it comes from. Okay, good. Because one of the questions is, when you marry your husband, what will your first dance mate? And all the songs fucking suck. Fucking... So. Oh, uh, I've always wanted either something by George. <laughs> I wanted something by George Harrison or um, The Way You Look Today because I really love those songs. And one of my friends was like, those songs are all about you and not about your husband. And I'm like, oh. What's the... Like- dress code for your wedding i yeah that's not an option that's american what does old school tie mean wait wait 
for the record, I'm choosing a song by the Proclaimers on here in the hopes that it's gonna give me David Tennant. Family Tartan, Dress Sharp, No Train, no, Vickers and, no. What's clean, I don't, ugh. Oh, Vickers and Tarts is, um, like, fancy dress, costume. Yeah, um, yeah costume ball. Old school tie, I think it's just, like, tuxedos. Yeah, I mean, I just, casual! Why is there no casual option, Americans? Sharp dressed men and girls on film. Clean living under difficult circumstances. <laughs> That's gotta mean something in slang in Britain. Oh, I'm totally going with family tartans and kilts because David Tennant is Scottish. Uh, Melissa, you're swinging your votes. <laughs> Careface. Aha! I got my uh, celebrity husband. You tell. Bender Wang Cucumber Patch, as I like to call him, when we're alone. Or with Where friends. Where did you say you would go for your honeymoon? <laughs> the Scottish Highlands. Of course you did. Because I've, I've, ugh, I've never been there and I've always wanted to go. Rachel, what do I look most for in a potential husband? That's you. I can't answer that question for you. Oh, a dreamy voice is clearly Alan Rickman. What? I got Idris Elba, which is one <laughs> awesome too. I very specifically voted for David <laughs> Or you didn't. Maybe you very specifically voted for Idris Elba. I mean, Idris Elba's not Scottish, so he doesn't have a family tartan and kilt. Oh, uh, well, I mean, tartan and kilts aren't just Scottish. It's English and um, Irish. David Tennant was an option, so it was clearly the David Tennant <laughs> No, option. it wasn't. Proclaimers was an option, clearly a David Tennant option. What have I done wrong? I Idris Elba is a man of great exuberance and creativity. He loves his music, his nightlife, and he loves a good party. All right, all right. Your social conscious will speak directly to his. Ah, yeah. Oh, we would make beautiful babies. Beautiful Blasian babies. Blasian mixed babies? Oh, I'm liking this plan now. What does it say about Bender Wing Cover Snatch? (sighs) It's a true gentleman, sensitive, intellect. Did did you say I hate everything I'm reading? I really do. No, you need Martin Freeman, like someone who also hates everything. Every- <laughs> I don't hate everything. I'm just. No, but like. <laughs> but I do. You're not the one of us that hates everything, but like somebody who. Did you put like he'd make snarky comments on benches? Because clearly that's a Martin Freeman. <laughs> no, I didn't. <laughs> no, I'm very happy with Benedict Cumberbatch. He is very attractive. Um, least we not forget he played the rapist in Atonement, which I like to remind people. And I was and I was scared of him for the first three episodes of Sherlock because of that. Okay. Um, so Melissa's marrying Idris Elba. I'm marrying Benedict uh, Cumberwang. Hold on, hold on. Idris Elba totally does fall into my like affi- affiliation affinity. I don't know with older British men. It's true. I just realized all of these guys are a little bit older than me. But like, quick story about Melissa. This is the last thing I swear. Whenever people are like, "What is the oldest age you would date somebody at?" I'm always like, "How old is Alan Rickman?" That one. Another thing about Melissa, which is funny that you got Idris Elba, Melissa likes really Aryan, pasty white guys. Oh my god, yeah, I do. What happened to my Aryan German guy? I mean, you upgraded, I obviously. I got the pasty Blonde. white boy, but he's beautiful, so. Yeah, oh, that's so weird. I usually, yeah, the more I like translucent, the better. Yeah. Well, thank you guys for listening to this episode of Fangirl Gathering Doctor Who Under the Lake. And like us on Facebook, Tumblr, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Thanks, guys!